Welcome to another episode of the official DigiMarkCon podcast. Here's some of the latest top-voted keynotes, panels, and masterclasses from recent DigiMarkCon digital marketing, media, and advertising conferences worldwide. Get ready to gain insight into emerging strategies, the latest trends, and best practices from industry thought leaders and experts to move your business, brand, or agency to the next level. Sam, do you hear me well? Yeah, also on the back. It's fantastic to be finally on really physical interaction and not only on Zoom. I really like that. Uh, even if I like digital, I think uh, there's nothing more important than collaborating and meeting people face-to-face uh, -face and not only on screen. Uh, a second uh, thing I would like to mention, I just came back from Europe. Uh, here in Australia, we might not feel it so uh, tense, but uh, we really have to stand with our Ukraine friends. Um, they are fighting for democracy, for liberty, and I think we can really support them with everything we have on social media, on uh, our speaks, and so I would like to that you join me in, in supporting them in their heavy fight in the moment. Looking at digital transformation and at digital in the moment, we see tremendous change. We saw for the COVID years an acceleration and brands are really struggling of keeping up with the change. And I have to say, I'm struggling as well. Every day is learning, every day is something new. And what you learned and experienced in the past is maybe not valid for today or for the next years to come. Um, so I would like to give you a little overview about what does good look like in digital? and also talking about the bad and ugly experience that one or the other consumer or user of us has still. And then we would like to talk about a little bit how we embrace change and digital first strategies. Because I still see in the leadership teams of today's big brands, there's a lot of misunderstanding of digital. And there's uh, maybe a funny saying, a funny quote, digital is like high school sex, everybody talks about it, few are doing it and nobody does it right. And especially that is true for the leadership teams of uh, today's brands. So I would like to invite you on that journey and whenever you have questions, because it's the first time we are back on stage, just raise your arm and, and we try to make it as interactive as we can, okay? Very good, so let's start. What does good look like? Um, I think here's a very nice uh, example of Woolworths where they actually try to build a bigger marketplace. And you have to imagine the uh, transformation that they went through. Just five years ago, everybody went to the store and everything was at the POS, at the point of sales. Now Woolworths is coming to us. 
totally change of the way, the processes, the logistics, the business model. And I think it will continue in the next couple of years. Um, it actually doesn't make sense that everybody drives to the store and picks up the things. Much easier to have that on an app. And the great thing is that the app is also recording what we shopped. So when I do the next shopping, I have much less to do. It's actually a 10 minutes click and then everything comes to me. I think that's a very big step in terms of transformation and a very good example. Let's look very closely to fintech. Fintech, I think, is in a major disruption. Banks are actually just managing data, but um, I think they can do much better if they really understand what they have in their hands. They see every transaction we do with our credit card, with our PayPal, with our e-commerce shopping, um, but they are not leveraging at all the data. And I think it's very uh, interesting to see. The, on the right-hand side here, you see a Chinese um, homeless, and he's asking for money, but he doesn't have the old hat where you flip in a coin or dollar. He's actually having a QR code, so you walk by with your mobile phone and, and you donate like 5 cent or 10 cent or whatever you want to donate. So a total change not only in big business models, but also in very small business models. Um, I think on the right hand side there's another very good example. Everything in the future from my point of view will be more and more social commerce. What I mean with social commerce is a human interaction screen to screen wherever you need help, wherever you need any kind of support. There is somebody there chatting to you, helping you to get through all the bureaucracy, all the data, all the, the formats, all the input puts and make um, uh, this much more convenient than it is today. If you have ever been to a bank, you probably know what I'm talking about. Lots of, lots of, lots of formats and papers. That was FinTech. Um, the next thing is, is also very interesting. Not only that the, the biggest model for lipstick is actually male, but even more important, um, he's an influencer and he can actually um, influence not only what is the right color for the season in China, but he can also influence stock prices. So uh, Austin Lee said one day that the new colors of uh, one of the big um, French brands are not fitting to the Chinese customer. The share price dropped by almost 5% for that brand. So it's amazing what power influencers nowadays have and how credible they are. And actually, he generated in, in 24 hours 140 million US dollars on the singles day, and that was 2020. I don't know where he's up to now, but I think it's a very, very interesting way of advertising in the future. And we have to look that space because I think influencers become more and more important in our digital customer journeys. The next 
is an example I choose from the mobility space, from automotive. Um, that's my background. I worked two times at BMW. I think also there we will see a tremendous change from a transaction-based business model where you sell cars and we all own cars to then maybe a digital model where you sell then the services, the after-sales, uh, the insurance, the, the charging, the fueling, um, with Park Now, Charge Now, some of BMW's companies that are heavily growing and getting access to further customer data. And then the new model would be, like uh, I experienced this morning, with an Uber. And if you think about autonomous cars, we would probably have a sharing economy in about 15 years or so. So in the moment, there is 99% safety with autonomous driving cars. They're hard working on the last 1%. But if that is done, then I think the whole model will change from selling cars to actually using cars. Sometimes you need a pickup truck for getting the new couch that you just bought. Sometimes you need a van and sometimes uh, you need a, a family car. And you can choose by the app actually what car you want if the car is autonomous because a car can then drive up to your home and, and you use it and then it's going away again and you don't have to own it anymore. So that's also an interesting transformation that we are looking at and I think uh, we are just at the start of it. Uber in the, in the Chinese market, Didi, uh, but also Li are very big players in that field. Another example comes from the fashion field. Um, I think it's very interesting uh, that you don't have to undress yourself and change clothes at the uh, flagship store um, here. You can just try virtually the clothes on, the color on, the dress on, and you would see how you look in all these dresses. So much less of hassle, much more convenience, and a much faster way of actually distributing. And then the shopping can be distributed to your house so you don't have to carry the bags around like in the old times. I think also a very nice example for the fashion field. So these are good examples, um, and there are plenty more to show, but actually um, when we look at the macroeconomic way, we see the building of a duopole. Um, we see um, on the right hand side the big um, digital platforms in the US and we see on the left hand side basically China uh, was, was heavily growing. Um, I think there's in the moment a kind of pause because China is basically um, going less international bringing political borders and, and uh, requirements in, so the, the big uh, brands like Tencent or Alibaba cannot grow as fast as they could in normal circumstances, but we have to watch that space because I think that especially TikTok or other platforms are very heavily coming back. What we also learned from that chart that basically Europe is um, 
so fragmented that there is nothing and Africa is also very, very poor in this digital economy. Um, and why is that so? It's because all digital businesses are critical mass business models. So don't start a digital business when you cannot access a large customer base. Because as more customer you attract, as more data you generate, as more convenient your whole um, uh, offerer and, and services are, as more convenient and more selective your offers are, as more people come to the platform and then the whole circle is starting again. And this is why we see only in the two big economies in the US and in Asia um, this big uh, growth of digital businesses. There are a few very small countries that are also actually active in that space. These countries are like Sweden, like Israel, where you see that they are so flexible that they can basically address the US market and or the Chinese market with their offers. This is why we see um, some of the platforms also growing in the European sector. But Mainly, it's critical mass, US and China. When we see the trends and, and what is actually um, in the moment driving the business, I would say it's all video. It's short videos and it's all social. So we see still development of um, very static websites. I think the customer experience will change in the upcoming years so much that basically all brands that are not operating on video and on interaction on social are basically um, have a, a very tough time. We might see here now Netflix coming in. Um, TikTok is very interesting um, because I think we for the first time see that the Chinese government changed their uh, legal requirements. So they decided from one day to another that you are not longer in one super app, but every app has to connect to other apps. That's very new for the Chinese market. And on the other side, we see that um, the Western world is basically um, sunsetting the cookie. So we see that the fragmented Chinese world is coming closer together with interlink possibilities. And we see in the Western world that the cookie is disappearing. And we see from, the, from that regard a more fragmented world, which is also interesting. Maybe we find something in the middle from the US and from China where they can agree on. So we have some interlinkage, but we don't have the cookie world anymore. But as you all know, there are other ways to follow the, the user and to understand the behavior of any user. But it's an interesting uh, thing to watch as well. But here, social and video. Start mobile first, start social first, start the video and then build the website. Don't do it the other way around anymore. 
This is a, um, a survey from uh, a German um, field study, and they were asking users, all age groups, what do you need most, um, and what can you basically not um, accept to live without. And I know that in Australia, WhatsApp Messenger is not so common as it is in, in Europe, but you see here social interaction, social interaction, video, and then Google, Google Maps, YouTube, Gmail, and all the rest. But a very interesting uh, development in that space as well. So we have to listen to the users and we have to understand um, where they actually get their information from. Which is also, which is also sometimes worrying, if you think about the political dimensions. Who who saw the social dilemma? Raise your hands. Yeah, a few saw that. I think it's interesting how the algorithm always feeding us what we like and what we click. And that is why we see in the world today more polarizing opinions. Uh, Brexit was a very nice example of that. Um, I don't know if it's nice actually. But you see you are either in that camp or you are in that camp. And only if you put off all your cookies and you force yourself into the other camp and reading their thoughts and their minds, you can actually build a neutral point of view for yourself, which is harder and harder in this world. So we need to be careful that we don't talk about the democracy of the web, when actually the democracy is owned and ruled by algorithms and by our own behavior. So we have to be careful that we don't polarize ourselves more and more and more. Well, if that is all so easy and the digital world is growing and the platform business is uh, coming to play, that sounds all very easy, right? But in fact, it's not. If you think about banks, if you think about fast-moving consumer goods, if you think about the automotive space, then it seems easy to change the business models, like the example of Woolworths. But in fact, all classical traditional businesses are suffering tremendously. And I think this is a very good analysis of McKinsey. They show why digital transformation is, is very often not happening. First, you have leaders at the top who grew up in another experience, in another environment, and they believe what they have learned for their life. But now the whole play and the whole rules of the games are changing, but they still try to implement what they have experienced. So we probably need younger leaders in the boards and in the executive management teams to understand the users in a better way. And then there's also by the organization um, a, a very difficult step to transform. For example, if you are head of all the branches in a bank, you're very important because you have lots of people behind you, you have lots of different retail shops and stores, and you are on the top of your career. 
So are you then going, okay, we have to reduce all these branches and all the shops and we have to invest the money into the apps? No, you would not. You would defend your status quo. And that is a very human behavior within digital transformation. So if you want to take something out of it, my learning is that maybe digital transformation is 20% the tech and 80% the human factor. So we, we still struggle to understand the opportunities that are there in automa automation and digital if the people who are running the company, the decision maker, are not digital. And here are some very poor examples. So for example, um, the branches are empty. Um, there's basically no one in the banks anymore or in the insurances. And, and sometimes, um, especially here on the left-hand side, I, I, I choose the COVID certificate in Germany, which is still an orange paper sheet. And you have to stamp your, your, your COVID certification in. So they, they are far away from the QR codes as we have them here in Australia already. So very different uh, mindset. And also we have to understand that in the uh, in Europe there's a huge drive for privacy. And so basically uh, there are no there are no people actually um, able to be addressed in the in the digital world because they all want to be anonymous. It's very funny. I founded a kindergarten with my wife when I was in Germany, and we made a few pictures of the kids. And uh, then I got calls from the parents. You cannot make any pictures of our kids and put them on the website. So we took it all down. And now um, I'm still sometimes watching that uh, that kindergarten, and you see then a group picture of all the kids, and they all have a smiley in front of their face so it's all blurred out so they are very very different than the Australian uh, society which I think is much more open but uh, privacy is still a huge issue in, in Europe and it's also not solved. The last thing I would like to point out here on that chart is everything changed everything except school. That's also interesting, right? So we try to educate our children and we see all the changes. We talked about the fintech space, the mobility space, the retail space, the e-commerce space. But school, uh, this photo is 70 years old and this is a photo of today. School didn't change at all. I hope that with COVID now we come to a change, but it's, uh, it's an interesting way how we still educate our children in that environment. Um, I think Australia is, by the way, uh, much further ahead than, than the German uh, school system in general. Um, and, and maybe last thing, we see that China e-commerce um, is, is at, at the moment at a rate of 57% compared to, I took Germany here, um, the blue bar is 11%. So we see that much younger people are adapting to new trends in a much faster way than, than actually uh, good old Europe. So maybe six important um, dimensions or key success factors for, for digital transformation. 
I think you have to start everything from the customer, from the customer experience. You cannot start from your business. You cannot start from your, uh, from your products. You have to start from the customer. What is he experiencing? What is she wanting to know? What, what she wants to get? The user in the moment is not yet served in the right way. And, and you know, I would have many, many examples for that. The second part is, well, every company in the moment has a lot of data. And I always say, if the company would know what the company already knows, because leveraging these data is not rocket science, but first-party data is, is still an issue in, in bigger companies. Imagine, for example, if BMW would understand that they have speakers, they have a screen, they have a bored user who is sitting in traffic jam. Why not having a dialogue? You have a much bigger screen than actually um, the mobile phones and you have a much better speaker in the car than the mobile phones. But there is no interaction happening. I, I never heard in, in my car, hey Jens, your, your, your winter tires are down, you need new tires or you know one of our sensors said that uh, you need to have a service, do you want an appointment, nothing. And actually we would know where this customer lives because he turns out the engine at his home or when he's going to work he's parking. So we know also where that person would actually do his job. But none of the data is leveraged, just one example. The next thing is very important as well. I think that marketing, sales and IT are not always working in sync. They are a lot of times working against each other. I see a few nodding. Um, sometimes the CIO seems to be the, the, um, the guardian of the status quo and not the proactive person who is driving um, the business and being very close to, to the business. We had that in, in many companies. Um, it's changing now, but you need always a biz dev ops environment that is run by a product manager or a customer manager and not by different departments like CIO, CMO, COO, chief of sales. That is not working. Then, obviously, as brand um, people, we believe that there's nothing more important than our own brands. There's nothing more important, but actually there is for the daily life of customers and we have to understand when are we relevant. We should not always talk about our brands. We should understand what is the situation that the user and customer is in and how can we help them and not just pushing out uh, messages. The customer interfaces are not right yet when I see sometimes how difficult it is to fill out um, an insurance claim. Um, I think they, they actually made it difficult for us to, to claim anything instead of having a very easy customer interface. And last but not least, as I described already, it must be a data-driven dialogue. So we need to understand what the customer is up for and then we need to help and support that customer and not just pushing out our messages.
And how this can look, everything again starts with, with the user, with the customer, with the shopper, the white person here without a face. We need to have the right IT infrastructure and the integration of data and CRM. We need to build a data layer. Then we have analytics for our users and customers. We have an automated marketing cloud. And then we have a campaign manager who's taking the right content for the right moment, for the right channel, for the right customer, for the right time and the right location. And we bring only the product and service offers to that customer that they actually are looking for and not everything and then we would have a one-to-one -one customer interaction I don't know any brand in the moment who's doing it um, in, in, a, in a perfect way but I see a lot of them trying to get to this kind of scenario well I said I will also shortly talk about trends I think Gartner is a fantastic tool to, to look at trends. I just picked a few because otherwise I would talk for hours about all the different things that are here on, this, on the screen. But for me, the, the, one of the big next things is marketing automation. If it is Salesforce, if it is Sitecore, if it is the Adobe Marketing Cloud, but basically the picture that I showed before of customized one-to-one -one dialogue is not possible if you don't automate. Um, there's a nice uh, company that is called Data Viva uh, up in Brisbane. They are fantastic to implement Sitecore within basically 14 days with the migration and integration of all data, fully automated. Um, so I think that's a space to watch. What is currently happening with Accenture, with Deloitte, all the others, they are making a long plan. They are then uh, trying to implement it in a waterfall system still and actually the outcome is, is very low as you can see here and they normally throw a lot of people warm bodies and therefore a lot of cost to the problem instead of just iterating on 90 day cycle that's I think uh, a very interesting little startup to watch and and same for Triggerfish they, they basically are doing the whole um, managing of marketing clouds and hosting and they can reduce the cloud cost by around uh, 60 to 80 percent and that's an Australian company so I think that's that's very interesting to look at Another big thing from my point of view is uh, digital out of home. Digital out of home is growing tremendously. Why is it growing? Because it's so easy. You can suddenly address um, people and you can say, hey, you know, in the morning I can advertise a coffee, on lunchtime I can maybe advertise KFC and in the evening I can advertise a Netflix movie. So wherever you are on the screen, you can basically during the day measure and, and advertise different uh, streams and that brings more relevance to the user. And finally, and that is so um, I think um, the, 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 the main part is that you can actually measure now digital out of home. 
So what you do is that every real-time st uh, stream on the screen is measured and then you can discover that maybe you have an under delivery of 20% like McDonald was just finding out with Veridu by verifying the actual data that is on screen. So it's a fantastic way to, to actually um, drive further uh, conversions on digital screens, not only on the mobile. Um, and last but not least, I think it's all about live streaming, live shopping. Um, I don't go into the details, but 9% of the whole China e-commerce uh, turnover is already uh, via live shopping and live streaming, which is amazing. Well, last, last point I would like to make is, is leadership. Um, very interesting data I found. So 2017, uh, the UK CEO was 53 years old. Um, and he was only 50 years old in 2000, or she, in 2007. So we have an increase of age, which is counterproductive to actually the fast way of changing. And then if you look at the age of chairmen, it came from 56 years to now 70 years. So again, a rise of, of um, old and, and sometimes white people, uh, men. To, to be in these shares, but you need to make decisions that are actually much more related to modern technology. So I don't know if we are actually here in the right spot in this development. So what does it really need for leadership? I think you come from a profit to a purpose. Does your brand, does your company have a purpose? is a question. Another thing is from controlling to empowerment, from hierarchy to networks, from planning to implementing. We have a lot of planners, but actually the implementation is suffering a lot. And then from a customer-centric, convenient, data-first point of view, and then you will be successful and then business will follow. And I think my time is over the 30 minutes. I could obviously talk much more, but um, a last thing I would like to make, be brave, you know, try things out, try new things out. Sometimes you're making mistakes, but you learn only when you go to the edge of your knowledge and when you develop um, the, the further knowledge that you don't have today. And sometimes it's even better to listen than to talk because by listening you get other points of view and maybe you can also bring some younger, more diverse, more female people into the management teams because then you would have a very much better point of view and a very um, more modern approach. With that, I would like to thank you all. And um, if there are any questions, just let me know. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the official DigiMarcon podcast. DigiMarcon is the largest digital marketing, media and advertising conference and exhibition event series in the world holding in-person and hybrid events in over 40 cities annually across 22 countries, as well as virtual events and an international cruise. Learn more about upcoming DigiMarcon events near you at digimarcon.com events. 
thanks again for listening to the official Digimarcon podcast.